This is Tom and Bach, coming at you live from Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America, on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Here are your hosts, Tom Stevens. You know, we failed, but uh, I thought it was a great effort. I thought that the plan was laid out uh, perfectly. Jake Bakoven. I'm not sure I get my point across um, properly. I'm sure I don't do a good job of explaining what I mean. Tom and Buck starts now. Welcome back to Tom and Bach here on 93.7 The Ticket. Excited because DP is back in his afternoon slot. He'll, don't worry, he'll be he'll be here later in the day for uh, for his normal shows as well. We'll be at the Mercado. Oh, be at the Mercado. We'll he won't the Mercado be here. Mercado today. That's a that's exciting. Mercado is always a great place to go. Get your meat products ready oh, for. Uh, eat, man. The oh man, so good there. Yeah, I can't I can't wait to. I'll probably maybe I'll just come along with you. Maybe I can hitch a ride Hang over to the Mercado. Hang out, man. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, but yeah, that should be good uh, for uh, you. Have a, and yesterday I should mention this very cool. You had the mayor of Lincoln on for your one on one. How did that go? And, and who's coming up today? It was pretty good to to just talk. Yeah, you know, just talk. I mean, positive thinking and positive ideas about what you want your hometown to be and what you want your community to be. And she's, she she fell firmly into that. And then we had Trey McGowan's who called in and said, hey, listen, I want to call in and just let the fans know don't give up on us. Very like, cool. You know, it was a yeah. very cool thing for him to sit down again through his through his process um, for him to share himself and just stand up instead of hiding. Yeah. Like he, he said, no, as a leader, I should come out and say, you know, Please don't give up on us. Um, so it was pretty cool yesterday. Today, I mean, because it's at the Mercado, um, has some folks that want to be a part of it. Uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll but I have a feel. <laughs> I, I, there's this so there's a bug around campus. Yeah, and I've heard about it. So yeah, we're kind of restricting as much of that as we can. Yeah, that in personal engagement. So and then for the record for tonight. Uh, because of said situation, uh, we will have what's the buzz. It'll go from six to eight. We will not have the truth tonight. Okay. Um, let those guys rest and try to get themselves ready to travel tomorrow uh, to, to Atlanta to face Auburn. And uh, we'll get back to that. And then we may have some surprises in the day. We'll see. We're working on those things as we speak. Well, there's never a shortage of good names to listen to on uh, that you can bring on uh, on your shows. So it's, it's always fun to tune in. Um, I did want to get to this too because Nebraska volleyball plays tonight. They they of course play their their conference foe, Illinois. Uh, it's a pretty late game to stay up. I believe it's on ESPNU. Eight thirty on ESPNU. Um, of course, they have they've swept Illinois twice, so it, it it bodes well for Nebraska. Maybe not to get overconfident, but uh, but at least that they know that they they can take down Illinois, who actually knocked off the defending champion Kentucky to get there. So uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, do you have an update on some of the other Sweet Sixteen action in volleyball? In so a far? great match, of course, they started early. Currently, uh, number one in the country, Louisville, is up two sets to none over four, number sixteen, Florida. Okay. Uh, so they're on a fly, and then but Purdue won the first set, set 25-12, uh, lost sets two and three, 25-16 uh, and 21. They won the fourth, 25-13, and then in the final set they went five sets. Purdue comes out on top, 18-16 to advance. Uh, so that was quite the match. Had it on while while we were doing our thing. So yeah, uh, off and gone, off and running. Louisville's really good. Yeah, they really. Oh are. my goodness gracious, they're really good. 
And they beat Nebraska earlier in the season, so maybe Nebraska can hope to, to rematch with them, but they're going to be a tough out. Uh, Wisconsin, of course, is going to be a tough out, but good for Purdue and the Big Ten uh, starting things off right for the Sweet 16. I think I think the Big Ten has six. I, I counted the other day, six teams still in the Sweet 16, by far the most. It's the best volleyball conference in the nation, uh, and I'm sure that there will be a few teams. But, but I don't know, other than Wisconsin – and hopefully Nebraska, obviously. Um, some of those top teams are just going to be tough to knock out. So I don't know how many will get to the Final Four. Um, but uh, at least Purdue's moved on to the Elite Eight. Hopefully Nebraska. Well, one way or the other, a Big Ten team between Nebraska and Illinois will punch their way into the Elite Eight uh, tonight. Um, but uh, we hope, of course, that it's the Husker women volleyball team. They've been playing better as of late. Uh, kind of interesting that they're still shuffling lineups. You usually say this late in the season. The season, <laughs> this is postseason. This is it. And they're still kind of shuffling lineups. So it's kind of weird but of course in nebraska in john cook we trust yeah i mean he he seems to have a pretty good feel for what his young ladies are going through um what the matchups are right who's going uh to have the best opportunity to excel that night uh against that opponent um and then in game management like he's really good about you know what it's time to inject some lexi sun it's time to uh to get me some more kenzie knuckles he's been pretty good about getting the rotation down so Look, he, it's a familiar foe. Um, yes, it's brighter lights and a bigger stage, but I, I you, as you said, in John Cook, we trust. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so we'll see if the ladies can get it done tonight. If they do, they'll have a matchup uh, uh, with uh, maybe. We'll see. I, I want the matchup with Texas. Uh, some you, you people would like it. to duck Texas, but I'd love to see Nebraska have the opportunity. The rivalries there, the whole Lexi Sun connection, the fact that last year Texas took down Nebraska uh, when Texas Lawrence Stevens. Roster. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much there. Uh, and then you you get to do it in Austin, where Texas sent Nebraska home in Omaha last last year. Well, actually, they're earlier this year because of the the way that the COVID kind of changed things. But for last season, I'd love to see the the favor returned here um, to to Texas. We can we can paraphrase the the the, the great one, uh, Ric Flair. In order to beat the woman, you got to be the. That's in order right. to be the woman, you got to beat the woman. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like go to their spot, beat them in their spot, and move on. Yeah, I'd like to go through them. We'll see if that happens, and that will. I, I mean, you always wonder too because the the. <laughs> NCAA volleyball. I think they're doing a better job this time around than than of course the last tournament where there was uh there you know it was kind of thrown together and it was uh, uh it, it just wasn't put together all that well as far as the TV side of things. Um, this time you're having I mean in in the the sport is growing which is exciting, um, but you're still having a lot of these games um, you know still not quite hitting that you know ESPNU that's that's good but you you know, hopefully you know we get this the ESPN twos eventually and stuff like that um and and they they do here and there but um sometimes you know I, I saw I saw it was like the commentators are just kind of the local people that might step up and do it so I'd like you know hopefully and, and I know the final four is that way but hopefully as this as this sport grows the tournament can expand to a point to where we're pretty excited to to be able to turn this on national television and see these sort of things wouldn't it be just way too simple just to have the higher seeds home broadcast team just call the matches that that makes sense to me. Like, wouldn't that just like you know? But I'm <laughs> I'd more... be entertained. I half the time I'd just be entertained to listen. You know, a lot of, a lot of people will think these guys are biased one way or the other. I'd love to hear the home team calls on on, on things uh, more often than not than right down the middle. Because then you get you know you get that even listening to Nebraska basketball, I still love it because uh, KP and, and Jake Mulizen do a great job. And a lot of times, oh come on, <laughs> yeah, like, like it, 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 I like that energy. Sometimes I like that. that's necessary. Yeah, but I mean, there's enough national volleyball talent and coverage for them to have people who excel at it in these moments. 
and it's ESPN. So if you look, if you're the mothership, you have no excuse for not having volleyball experts in your in your in your in your pocket and in your vacuum. There's no, there's just, and if, if and if that's the case, then don't go and get the championships. Let somebody yeah. else who wants to do it go do it. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully we'll see that. And, and I know in Nebraska, I mean, we talk to Tanya Taki all the time. She works with uh, the youth in Nebraska. I mean, it is just growing. The sport is growing and you love to see it. Um, and, and, you know, a, a lot of us are kind of along for the ride. I don't I don't necessarily I would not call myself a volleyball expert. I don't know uh, all the intricacies of it, but I'm learning and it's, it's exciting. If you go to a Nebraska game, um, just the intensity that's there. I mean, it, it, it's fun um, and, and it is just kind of a fun atmosphere. I mean, the players even just kind of the, the smiles, the excitement. I mean, it's easy to get into. Yeah, I, having bounced around the country, for whatever reason, I end up in volleyball cities. I mean, Salt Lake City and 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 the the Utah Utes. That's a, that in game experience is pretty stellar. Then you go to Texas. Yeah, they do their volleyball and they do it at a high vibrancy, high high, high energy, and on very big stages. Like they they highlight their young lady volleyball players early in life. So yeah, you get to learn it. I don't know how, if you're a Nebraska fan, a Nebraska athletics fan, how you're not all in behind the volleyball team. One, I mean, they play the game the right way. They play it the right energy. They represent, They try to represent the university. You never hear any real, you know, side side issue with them, right? There's yeah. no nonsense down the street that you don't hear, uh, that you hear. So, yeah, it, it it's a big opportunity. And I know folks have talked about being able and being prepared and being excited about watching tonight's match. So there's that. Yeah, I know. I know that people are excited locally. We know Nebraska fans love it, so uh, that will be exciting. I did want to ask you about this because you mentioned Utah briefly. I, I talked about this earlier with Rico, where just kind of the, the discussion of expanding the playoffs, and we can put that up for a second. But just you know, I think sometimes you get this stuff when it's just focused on the national championship. You overlook some of the special things that are going on in different parts of the country, and and for me, like. As a college football fan, I've watched Pittsburgh football for years and have never thought of them as a conference championship contender. And they go out and do it. And now, and, and specifically for Utah, because I know you got some friends back there. You know how cool is that of them to have joined the Pac-12? You know, about a decade ago, it's a fight. It's a you have to you have to fight and scratch and claw your way to the top. And they finally did it. They get to the top. So it, it's it's a cool year of outside the normal, where you just see Oregon and Clemson and, and those teams always win in those conference. Where a team like Utah or Pittsburgh can climb to the top. What does that mean for maybe those not we, we don't traditionally think of them here in Nebraska, maybe on par with us traditionally as far as uh, as as total amount of wins or whatever. Um, but for those programs that where college football is is it, it, it's it's still a huge. I mean, as people know, if you've been to, to campuses around the city or around the, the states, college football is king almost everywhere outside of a few places. But uh, especially specifically for Utah, how cool was that to see? Well, I'll, I'll bounce back to Pitt because okay. I'm old enough to remember. When, oh yeah, when, you know, that's with, true. With, with Hugh Green and Tony Dorsett and Dan Marino, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Pitt has been in that space before. They were going to Sugar and uh, Sugar Bowls and that sort of thing, and it was at a high frequency. So they were good for a very long time. Um, them getting to the ACC championship against Wake Forest, it meant more for Wake Forest to get there because mm -hmm. this was a big deal for them to get there in football. They were used to it with, with basketball. Uh, but not so much with football. And now for them to make that statement and make that leap was good for them. In Utah, 
it's a bit of snobbishness from the Pac-12 other fan base members because you think, well, Utah's not really – first of all, they're not really Pac-12. Yeah. They're Mountain West Conference. They're just visiting. Like, you're just hanging out, and you're like a revenue stream for us. Except Utah pops its head every seven years or so where they pop up and become a nuisance to the, to the, to the, big, to the Pac-12. Well, this year they jumped over the, over the pile and said, you know what, we're not going to go through you. We're going to deal with this. It's help, going to help them in recruiting. Because California, their California recruiting base is strong. So it'll help them get better at that. It will help them with the Polynesian community uh, being able, because of the the, the Mormon church connection with with Salt Lake City and BYU, and the fact that BYU had its best season in a long time last year, uh, this year, the last two years, as a matter of fact, um, is important. And then there's Utah State up in Logan who wins their conference and knocks off a top 20 team to do so, which gives me hope for Nebraska. To tell me that if you can recruit to Logan, Utah, if you can get folks to come into the Mormon Mormon belt and get to work and win games and knock off the big the, the Pac-12, right? To put yeah. USC on their butt, to put Nike the Nike factory on their butt <laughs> twice, right? <laughs> to say that you can do that tells me there's zero reason why Nebraska can't get it done, why Lincoln can't get it done, because the same things were offered. The same things are offered. The, the joke amongst my friends, if I take pictures around the Haymarket and send them to my buddies or I post them, they go, hey, you're back in Utah. No, <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of common thread in it and a lot of the common thinking in it. And from the athletic standpoint, there's zero reason that if Utah can figure out a way to win the Pac-12 conference, there's zero reason why Nebraska can't figure out how to win the Big Ten. Yeah, and, and some of it is always uh, in, in college football is copy success, and uh, Nebraska's doing exactly that, not necessarily from Utah, but from Pittsburgh, where they're grabbing their offensive coordinator, just won the ACC uh, Conference Championship over there in Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett, with Jordan Addison, uh, and, and, of course, uh, the head coach, Pat Narduzzi, deserves a shout-out in there, too. But Mark Whipple now coming to Nebraska, uh, and, and, of course, we'll talk about that all offseason. It'll be interesting to kind of to break through that, but uh, I haven't talked to you about that hire yet, Um I mean, it, it, it just it, it makes you think. I mean, obviously, I like it because you're getting one of the hottest college football offenses or, you know, one of the best offenses this past season and uh, in, in trying to bring it uh, to your school. But the, the question is, does it mesh well? And uh, he kind of ha- has a pro style type of pass, not necessarily too heavy on running the ball. Um, do you think that that meshes well with what Scott Frost wants to do? Well, I just so I'm working in this current space, let it play out. Mm-hmm. Like with all the recruiting, with all the, the job offers, let it play out. Because it'll play out. And it'll play out in, 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 in truth. Like we'll really get to the truth that way. Uh, I, I'm not in a rush. Yeah. To, we won't see it tomorrow right, if it works. Right. I'm, I'm not in a rush to get in that water. I don't know what's in the water. I don't know who's, who's cleaning the water. I, that, that stuff I need to know later on. But I'll ask this question because – Mickey Joseph was brought in and was deemed and given the title passing game coordinator. But you just brought in an offensive coordinator who whose thing is the passing game. With a head coach who wants control of the passing game. So I don't know what it means. They got the people they wanted. Cool. Flow with that. But that sign over there tells me, okay, we got Wolfgang Puck, we got Gordon Ramsay, we got like oh, you yeah. got all these chefs. Oh, it yeah. should come out good, 
but it could be a mess. Yeah. Because that's three chefs. And I'm not sure that I'm not against it. I'm 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 yeah. like, everybody got what they wanted. And now you can go get talent, but in the end now you gotta get have a scheme and you gotta have somebody to run it, run it. Yeah. You gotta have a quarterback. And you probably should have a couple because we know one, you can't just hand somebody the job. Two, uh it's it's Lincoln with a new quarterback coach, new pass game coordinator. So who's the boss? Who's in control of the passing game? Who makes those decisions on talent on the field? What kind of receivers you can put in that system? Can you get those guys? Are they already here? What do you do with the ones that are already here? Because you got some dudes here. Yeah. So what do you do with those? Right? And yeah. you got to identify what caused them to not have success previously. And then be able to fix it in a real, systematic, functional, purposeful, purposeful way. And then who's going to lead all that? So let it play out. I'm going to sit back here chilling with my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> let it play out. I'm going to let it play out, right? But put some questions in place so you recognize what you're seeing. Because I, you know, sometimes you get emotional. Oh, yeah. And emotion will fog the eyes. <laughs> right but that's Most, that's something that tom thought that was maybe quite silly of me from the beginning when i saw this was before they even hired whipple um but i just kind of thought it was odd that you give a passing game coordinator tag a, associate head coach tag to the new guy is um, whipple associated head coach I, I guess not i guess shenander's not the associate head coach you know there's some guys there that you go well, you can have two can you? Okay. You can have two, but they're, they're generally called coordinators. But <laughs> right. Because <laughs> the associate coach, it, some people might throw that just an extra title to throw him. Usually you're going to take over. If, if Frost leaves, you get the bowl game or whatever it is, so, which maybe doesn't mean that much. But for, for in that locker room, I would think that it might mean a little something to be the associate head coach. And then, like you said, the passing game coordinator, it's just intriguing that, you know, this is a, a run-heavy conference that – they waited till I I I I am just saying things, okay? <laughs> they waited till they're waiting till last to get to the running game, right? The running backs coach and special teams and special teams and special teams. So and they only have a, they only have one spot for that. We'll see. I mean, some things could shake out on the defensive side where it opens up a spot, but it just seems like so far they're very focused on the passing game. Um, and and who and like you said, who's making the calls there? Like what? Like how do you? As a new coaching staff, and you've been a part of plenty, how do you kind of blend that idea? And is it much easier to do so if there's like a, an, an, an order of rank? Because right now the rank is just who, you know, your, your expertise is passing game. Here's the passing game coordinator. Work with him. And Scott Frost, by the way, is probably going to want to make a few calls as well. I just I, I think that there's there's a chance that they butt heads and and of course that happens probably on every coaching staff but you but you hope that they're just able to work together and that these titles aren't necessarily messing with their idea of the rank. I just again leadership requires identity, and if you're telling me that you're bringing in these folks right uh, to 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 make changes and adapt, um, that they're that they that they found common ground. And all three of them have been other places, so they've learned to mesh and, and blend. So I'll, I'll, I'll sit back and, and, and watch. Like, there's no – but the curiosity is, 
as you said, in the Big Ten Conference where the running game is mandatory and a must, and there is no number one in Nebraska's running back room. There's no number one. There's no number one quarterback. I mean, you could say Smothers is number one quarterback, right? Like if they had to take drills yeah. today, it, it, it's Smothers. Okay, so there's your one. Who's your one running back? Who 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 are the starting receivers again? Remember, yeah. Torrey's gone. So who fills that spot, and then who steps up to handle that work? Just a lot. It's Cam Jurgens back. Right, <laughs> there's so, a lot of questions. Right, right, so there's a lot of things. So again, my phrase going forward is let it play out, but pay attention. And so I'm paying attention to the hires and the direction of that. What those. You can tell where your program is by the number of questions that exist. <laughs> yeah. So if there's still questions, we'll ask. Them. Uh, and there, there will, there's always going to be questions with a three and nine team. So hopefully they can get over that hump. Uh, we'll ask a lot of these questions to Mitch Sherman of the Athletic, uh, a very knowledgeable guy about all this stuff, and, and and has great opinions on this stuff. So we'll get to Mitch Sherman here of the Athletic next year on Tom and Bach on ninety three seven The Ticket. Download our app by searching ninety three point seven The Ticket in your app store to stay in touch and listen all day long wherever you are. This is Tom and Bach.